0: We're very thankful today to be joined by Bob Bear. He is with the SIU Physics Department, and he's the director of the Public Astronomy Program there at SIU. Bob, thank you so much for your time.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me, Will.
0: Wanted to visit with you about the upcoming Great American Eclipse on April the 8th. It's going to be happening in southern Illinois around 2 p.m., depending on Mm -hmm. where you are. But um, before we get into the particulars of the eclipse, I uh, introduced your titles, but uh, tell me a little bit more depth, uh, exactly what it means to be the director of the public astronomy program.
1: Yeah, so I've been planning and, and running the public astronomy observations that we host on the roof of Necker's building here. Oh, gosh, for over 20 years now. Now, leading up to the eclipse, we've actually we've cut back on some of those. And I have students running some of those observations because we've been focused more on the big observation coming up April 8th, where we'll have, oh, probably on the order of 30,000 people again uh, coming in to visit the campus, uh, coming in to visit SAU Carbondale.
0: So, Bob, uh, how long is the uh, totality uh, going to last when the moon is completely blocking out the sun?
1: Well, it it depends on where you are inside the path of totality. And Carbondale and Murfreesboro area, um, we are very close to the center line. The center line actually goes um, just a tiny bit south of Carbondale right over Cedar Lake. And so in Carbondale, we have four minutes and nine seconds of totality. And it's just a little bit less than that in Murfreesboro, but not not much less at all. We're talking just a few seconds. And then as you get out to the edge of the path of totality. So like, um, let's say you're by Rosebud, it gets much shorter because you're right at the edge of that shadow. So we're talking it's down to like a minute or so of totality.
0: Of course, many people remember the total solar eclipse from 2017. What is different about uh, this upcoming eclipse on April the 8th comparatively to the one that we saw in, was it August of 2017?
1: Yeah, it was August 21st, 2017. So obviously, you know, there's the weather issue. Um the odds of, of seeing it this far out, you know, we're talking about climate, like average climate is what people talk about when they talk about their chances of seeing it. And we're we're better than 50%, which is, it's similar to August in 2017. We were a little, we we're, I think, around 55, 60% of a chance of seeing it in any given spot. And the big issue is clouds. You know, we tend to think we'll have more typically in, in April, but, um, people should keep in mind the eclipse creates its own weather because of the cooling that happens. And this eclipse is different because the moon is a little bit closer to us this time around in, in April. And so the shadow is larger. The shadow is about twice as big. And I'm talking about the shadow of the moon on the earth. So it's going to get darker, quite a bit darker, than it did in 2017. And, of course, the totality, the time in darkness, is almost double um, for for April as compared to back in 2017.
0: You talk about the temperature drop. Uh, remind me,
1: mm-hmm.
0: what is the expected temperature drop in uh, when you're in that path of
1: totality? It, on average, it's about 15 degrees by the time you reach the center of the of the shadow and so um about 20 minutes before totality it'll start you'll start to notice it's getting a little bit dark as the sun is almost covered and then when totality hits it's completely covered so there's no direct sunlight coming down to the earth and so (laughs) the last one the last one i saw in um, in Australia, it was a really hot day, and you could really tell that the temperature felt like it could have dropped as much as 20 degrees, actually. But um, think of it, you know, in, in April, it might already be a 50-degree day, and we could easily drop down to 35 degrees during during totality.
0: Bob Bear is with us from the SIU Physics Department. He's the director of the Public Astronomy Program at... SIU, Bob, you mentioned uh, having traveled to Australia. I saw some news coverage of that. I believe you took some SIU students uh, with you uh, on that trip. Uh, when was that uh, excursion?
1: Um, that was April of 2023, so just this past spring. Um, and, yeah, we did. We took, oh, gosh, it was eight or nine students. We had a combined research and study abroad group and I led the research side of it, and then Corrine Brevik, who's astronomer in the physics department here, I should should say the School of Physics, we've updated our name uh, in the last year or so. But anyway, she led the study abroad side, which was um, a bunch of students, mostly female students from varying backgrounds, varying majors that that came along for that trip as well.
0: One of the things that uh it always gets talked about leading up to the eclipse of 2017. And this one is that obviously you want to view the eclipse safely. When you talk to people about how to view this eclipse safely, what do you talk about?
1: So, you know, just, like a normal day you don't want to stare at the sun if you happen to glance at the sun on a normal day you know you're not gonna you're not gonna blind yourself in a in a millisecond or a half a second and all the time we you know we we might be driving home and we happen to get the sun in our eyes for a little bit but if we block it out with our visor for instance we're no longer looking directly at the surface of the sun so during a partial eclipse, or during any other time, you can you can wear these eclipse glasses or eclipse shades, and it's they're equivalent to a heavy uh, um, a heavily shaded welder's glass, uh, number fourteen welder's glass that will block out. 99 (laughs) and some percent of the the light transmission coming through it's exceptionally high and so you can actually look directly at the sun and directly at the partial phases now during totality again if you're in that path of totality and once totality starts it's going to get dark and at that point you actually can look directly at the solar corona, which is the atmosphere of the sun, not the surface of it, but the atmosphere of it, because the sun itself is completely blocked. And it's, it's spectacular. And, that, and at that point, you know, people should keep in mind the only way they can see the corona during totality is, is without the glasses. The glasses are actually too dark, they'll, they'll block out the corona completely.
0: One of the things that I recall that really stood out to me in 2017 was the 360 degree uh, sunset or sunrise effect uh, yeah. when, when yeah. you when you look around you uh, that that was uh, that was really the most impressive thing or, or maybe the, the thing that I didn't expect. Um, talk about that a little bit.
1: yeah what you're seeing there is you're seeing the light outside of the shadow of the moon. So as that shadow is approaching you, like um, people in the uh, oh the Ava area or on the, the bluffs overlooking the Big Muddy and the Mississippi, you can actually see the shadow. Now it's not really well-defined, but you'll see uh, a darkness coming over the land from the Southwest towards you. And then once the darkness is over you, you're in the shadow, but you'll see what looks like a sunset effect mostly behind you. Now, when you get in the middle of the shadow, this time around, that shadow is so big, it's about 120 to 140 miles wide and you probably are not going to see the sunset effect if you're on the center line and in the middle of that shadow. But as the shadow continues to sweep over you, you will see it again. You'll see that light outside of the shadow hitting the ground. And in in 17, you had a 360 degree sunset effect because the shadow was small enough that you could see the light on the edge. But 2024, it's a bigger shadow. So, It'll be darker, and that sunset will appear to shift as the eclipse goes on.
0: You know, this is just an extremely unique and rare thing that uh, Southern Illinois, I mean, I suppose had to be somewhere. But the fact that we are where the two total eclipses within the last seven, eight years cross Mm -hmm. is just uh, really a a very unique situation. What, What we have experienced here. Uh, very few regions ever experience
1: yeah, not twice i mean it 's rare enough to see it once, you know, uh, but twice is just absolutely incredible, and those intersections those paths happen um, at, they they happen often, but often they 're over the ocean they're not over land because most of, most of the eclipses actually occur over the oceans just because of the small amount of land but but this is very unique for this region to actually be able to see two of them and something i hope people can take advantage of and get out and experience it
0: generally speaking do you think because these two eclipses have come fairly close together across the mainland of the united states uh, is there more excitement, less excitement, the same amount of excitement. What's your thoughts about that?
1: Oh, so it's interesting. Um, the I think there's excitement here. I know there's excitement here, but people have seen it before. So the um, the unknowns are not there as much as they were in 2017. There's still excitement, but what I, what I really like about this one is for our region at least, you know, these crowd estimates are not being hyped out of proportion like they were in 2017. So people should keep in mind, although there's a lot of people coming in to see this, it's not like we're going to get completely overrun like we had rumors of back in 2017. Now, that type of hype, is happening in other regions that didn't experience the 2017 eclipse and i have to say it 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 can really worry people when they think you know hundreds of thousands of people are coming into their small town right that's that's a huge stretch on the on the infrastructure and can can actually pose a problem as, as you know if it if it did actually happen
0: Certainly. We really appreciate Bob Bear visiting with us today, director of the Public Astronomy Program at SIU. Um, I know that a lot of people pulled out their cell phones, were trying to uh, take a photo of the eclipse back in 2017, and, and I saw a lot of photos that didn't look very good. Um, yeah. How, how can or can an average person take a good photo of the eclipse with their cell phone?
1: well it's really hard to because the dynamic range of the eclipse it's it's like trying to shoot a picture of a crescent moon with your cell phone so if you have a cell phone with an with a phenomenal camera and it can do these hdr or nighttime shots you might get something okay out of it but most cell phones aren't gonna are not gonna do it justice and actually most cameras will not even do it justice so we mentioned to people, you know, if you want pictures, uh, selfies are great. Pictures of people. Um, you can, I, I tell first time viewers don't spend a lot of time trying to get a photo, just enjoy it, you know, click some photos so that you have some memories of that, um, of this special occasion. But, but I wouldn't waste a whole lot of time trying to get good photos with a cell phone. We, um, so I lead a few different projects and we, do scientific imaging of the sun and of the corona with our telescopes. And those images are all free if someone wants to download one of our images after the eclipse. Our project's funded by NASA, so all the imagery is made available to the public for free. And they can do nice prints of them or or whatever they'd like, actually.
0: Well, Bob, I was doing some Googling this morning, and you're right that there are eclipses that happen uh, fairly frequently somewhere on Earth and one that mm-hmm. grabbed my attention is uh, 20 years from now there's going to be a sunset eclipse in Montana and uh, that sounds like that would be fairly interesting uh, in terms of of eclipses um, how many are there a year or or is it the same number every year?
1: Well, it's an average. Um, the eclipses happen on a different cycle um, so it's it's on average, it's every year and a half, but it's it's an odd 18-year, um, and, and I can't remember exactly how many days cycle that they go through, but they happen more often. And it's, it's hard to explain, but on average, every, every year and a half, somewhere in the world.
0: Well, anything that I didn't ask about that you think is important to mention about this upcoming <laughs> eclipse on April the 8th?
1: Yeah, if you've never seen one before, I would highly recommend you know pairing up with somebody who has seen one, um, educating yourself on when it's going to happen, what to look for, um, or attend a group group festival or a group. We're doing big activities at Sau Carbondale. There's things going on for four days. People can enhance their learning of it leading up to the eclipse, or they could be and or they could be part of the actual group viewing that we have on campus that day. And that's a great way for people, especially if they're a little bit nervous about when to look, how to look, and want to know what they're seeing. It's a good way for them to, uh, to kind of quell that anxiety and just enjoy what's going on.
0: Well, Bob, thank you so much for your time. If uh, people want to find out more about what's going on at the SIU campus and in regards to the eclipse or with the public astronomy program where can they go online to find that information
1: we have one website eclipse.siu.edu that has all the info about the eclipse and we try to list the public astronomy observations on there as well but those will eventually migrate back over to the physics department site and you can look for uh, the physics department or like i said the school of physics on facebook has
0: up-to-date information on our public astronomy observations as well bob thanks for the time Have, uh, have a great day
1: yep thank you will